Amen. Well, welcome this morning to Orchard Church. This is a very, very exciting day for us as we have our first weekend of live baptisms in our service. Can we give it up for that? So we're going to remain standing. We're going to continue in worship in just a moment. And as we are worshiping, we are celebrating all of these who are being baptized today. It'll be up on the screens over here. And if you are a family member or friend that are wanting to take pictures, if you could try to stay out of the front because we're going to, so we can, everybody can see it on the screen. We've got some stanchions over here. If you'll be on the, the other side of those, that's where you can take pictures really well. But everybody can still see the baptisms on the screen. Um, already in our first service this morning, we baptized 24 people. And I know we have more than than that in this service. We're, we're expecting to baptize uh, very likely over 100 people today that are going public with their faith. Pretty awesome. And so uh, we, we, we want you to know here at Orchard Church what we believe the Bible teaches about baptism. Baptism does not save us. It does not forgive our sins. It doesn't wash our sins away. This is merely a symbol and picture of that which does, which is our faith in Jesus Christ. And so all of these people have said yes to Jesus. They have accepted him into their life. And so now they're going public with their faith in believers' baptism. I like to call baptism the wedding ring of the Christian life. And so this is going to be them displaying their uh, inward decision in an outward way. So we're excited for all those being baptized. So let's continue to worship and let's celebrate all those being baptized today. in this service this morning. Was that awesome? Or what? That was amazing. And let me say this. Maybe you saw this take place and something, God did something in your heart and you said, you know, I need to do that. Um, maybe you were baptized a long time ago. Maybe you don't even remember it. Maybe you've never been baptized, but you've said yes to Jesus. You know that he's your Lord and Savior. And you just say, man, I want to go public with that. We're going to tell you at the end of this service how you can actually still be baptized today. And so we'll let you know about that at the end. Go ahead and take out your Bibles this morning, your mobile devices. Turn to Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. 
28. That's the very first book of your New Testament, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Today we are in the second week of our Christmas series called Christmas Carols. We're looking at some of our uh, most loved and famous Christmas carols, some of the phrases out of them, the scriptures from which they come from. And today we're talking about the Christmas carol, O Come All Ye Faithful, Joyful and Triumphant. And so what I'd like to do to begin, just like we did last week, if you look on the back of your newsletter, we've given you the lyrics to this song. So we're going to strip away the music and everything, and let's just read the words and the thoughts behind this Christmas carol, O Come All Ye Faithful. It says, O come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem. i got to be careful how I say Bethlehem, if I'm being honest, because I grew up in Oklahoma, and I call it Bethlehem. And my wife said, no, that's an oaky thing. In Colorado, it's Bethlehem. So forgive me if I, I slip up. O come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the king of angels. Come, O come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. That's the, the lyrics to O Come, All Ye Faithful. And what I'd like to do now for your listening enjoyment is I'd like to personally uh, perform this for you, my rendition. What's so funny about that? So let me get ready and... Uh, <clears throat> <clears throat> me, 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 me. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> no, I don't want to ruin this Christmas carol forever for you, but you want to stay at the end because we're going to close with the praise band. Our praise team, let the professionals do this, are going to lead us and come all you faith. But I want to talk about this Christmas carol uh, this morning. Let me give you a little history about the Christmas carol, O Come All Ye Faithful. It was written in the 18th century. It was originally written in the Latin language by a man named John Wade. The original lyric or the original title of the song was Adesta. Fidelis. Now, if you know Latin, I probably just butchered that, so forgive me. But in 1841, it was translated from Latin into English by a man named Frederick Oakley. He also makes some really cool sunglasses. Come on, work with me, y'all. Is it still okay to have fun in church? Amen? All right, you got to work with me. But what I want to do this week, just like we did last week and every week as we're looking at these Christmas carols, is I want to key in on one particular phrase, and I want you to think about it. We want to talk about it from the scriptures, and my prayer and my desire is that you'll never sing this song the same again, especially with this phrase. And the phrase I want to look at is the first part of this song. Let's just all say this out loud together. Say it with me. O come, all ye faithful joyful and triumphant. O come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. This carol is calling a certain group of people to come, to come to the manger, to come to Jesus, to come to Christmas, a certain kind of people. O come all ye, what kind of uh, people? Faithful people, joyful people, triumphant people. But the truth is, if we're honest, we don't always feel faithful. We don't always feel joyful. We don't always feel triumphant. We may feel a little disqualified to sing this Christmas carol. I would argue all day long that at Christmas time we sing songs that says it's the most wonderful time of the year. But the truth is for some people Christmas is the most difficult time of the year. It's the most challenging time of the year. Because again, Christmas is the great magnifier. At Christmas time, it makes the good things even better, but it makes difficult things even more difficult and, and challenging. And so we've got this carol that opens up, Oh, come, everybody who's faithful, joyful, and triumphant, but we don't always feel that way. And maybe you're here today and you can already relate. You say, yeah, I, I, the better way to describe my life right now and how I feel is defeated, depressed, and doubtful. Maybe that's how we should sing this carol. Oh, come all who are defeated, depressed, and doubtful. Maybe more would answer that. That carol probably wouldn't go over as well, though, if we, we sang it that way. 
So, so what do we do with this carol that starts out with this call to people who are faithful, joyful, and triumphant? Because we, we don't always feel faithful. Maybe you're here today in this Christmas season, you don't feel as faithful as you'd like to feel. Maybe there's something going on in your life that is stretching your faith, that is challenging your faith, and you don't feel as full of faith. That's what faithful is. It means to be full of faith, and you don't feel as full of faith this Christmas as you would like to feel and be. We think about the next word, come all you faithful, joyful. Maybe there's something this Christmas that has sucked the joy out of your life or out of your Christmas. There's a lot of things. Would you agree there's a lot of things in this life that can suck the joy out of life? I mean, just take your joy right, right away. I'll I tell you, one of the ways that I have the joy sucked out of my Christmas is when I go shopping, at the, especially at the mall. Um, I've ordered, how many did most of your shopping this year online? You did mostly online. I think most of us did. Uh, Shelly talked me into going shopping with her on Friday. Uh, we went to Colorado Mills. They've reopened it now after, you know, it got hail damage. And so we went there and, and I just remembered what I hate about shopping and how it can suck the joy out of my Christmas season because inevitably I'll have something I want to buy and there'll be this massive line or two or three lines and I'll, try, I'll pray, okay, Lord, please direct me to the right line that goes fast. And I'll I'll get in the line, and then inevitably I'll be behind the person that didn't have a tag on their shirt, and they're like, price check, and it takes forever. Or worse than that, I get behind the coupon lady. <laughs> Some of you know who you are. And, and I don't have any problem with coupons. I believe in coupons. We live on coupons. My wife does coupons. But have your coupon ready when you get in the line. You know, get behind a lady. She's like, oh, I got a coupon for that. She opens up a bag with coupons. This She's fishing through for, for 30 minutes. That takes the joy out of my, my Christmas. Or how about this one? You check all your Christmas lights before you put them on the tree. You check all your lights before you put them on the house. They're all working. You put them up. They work for a day, and now you start having lights out. You know, they say, you know, now there's strands that when one light goes out, they don't all go out. Liars. <laughs> they don't know what they're talking about. That sucks the joy sometimes out of our Christmas. And I hate to bring it up, but we have a value here at Orchard Church that we keep it real. And can we just be honest? The Broncos are sucking the joy out of Christmas in Denver this year. What the heck is going on? Now we're rooting for them to lose so we get a better draft pick. That, I mean, that is what it has come down to. We don't always feel faithful. We don't always feel joyful. And we don't always feel triumphant. Sometimes we feel more defeated than triumphant. Maybe we feel defeated because of our marriage or another relationship, or we feel defeated because of finances or health or a job situation. And the truth is, a lot of people may not feel qualified when you really think about the lyrics of this song, O come all who are faithful, joyful, and triumphant. And we may not feel qualified to sing this song or to come to Jesus in that way. Well, I've got some good news for all of us this morning because Jesus calls us in a different way. He doesn't call the faithful, the joyful, and the triumphant. Jesus calls a different group of people. This will encourage you. If you're taking some notes this morning, who are the ones that Jesus calls? Here's who Jesus calls. This is going to encourage you. First of all, Jesus calls the weary and the burdened. He calls the weary and the burdened. Let's look at it in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. And watch the words of Jesus here. Jesus calls the weary and burdened. It says in verse 28, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all you who have it all together and everything is going fantastic. Is that what it says? No, no. We would all be disqualified. Come to me, all you who are, what's the next word? Weary 
and carry heavy burdens. How many of you say, oh, I can answer that call. That, that, that's my situation. That's my life right now. Weary. I feel like I've got a heavy burden in my life. And then Jesus says, if you come to me weary and with a heavy burden, here's what Jesus says he'll do. And I will give you, somebody help me out, rest. How many of you say, that would be the best Christmas gift I could get this year? It's just a little bit of rest. Take my yoke upon you, Jesus says. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and to bear and the burdens I will give you is light. Jesus says he doesn't call us when we're faithful, joyful, and triumphant. He calls us when we're weary and we have heavy burdens to bear. He calls us when we're down and we're discouraged and everything isn't going wonderful. So how does Jesus calls us? He call us. He calls the weary. He calls those that have burdens. Here's the second thing if you're taking notes. Jesus calls the sinners. Jesus calls sinners. That's why we need a Savior. If you're in Matthew chapter 11, just turn a couple of pages back to the left in your Bible to Matthew chapter 9, verse 11, and let me give you the context of this. Jesus is talking to the religious crowd, and the religious crowd hated Jesus, and he hated, they hated the people Jesus hung out with. Jesus was known to be hanging out with the outcasts of society, those that didn't have it all together, those didn't have it figured all, all out. And, and they gave Jesus a hard time for hanging out and eating with sinners, even having a meal with them. And, and this gets addressed in Matthew chapter 9, verse 11. It says, but when the Pharisees, the religious people, saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? He called them scum. And when Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show what, church? Mercy. They weren't showing mercy. Not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call. Who has Jesus come to call? For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are what, church? Sinners. They know they are sinners. That's good news for me because I know I was a sinner, but I've been saved by grace. And many of us, the reason we needed a Savior is because we were sinners. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, for all of us have sinned and we fall short of a relationship with God. But so oftentimes what happens is when I sometimes talk to people about their need for a Savior, their need for Jesus, and I, I try to invite them to church, they say things like, oh, I haven't been to church in years, or I've never been to church, and if I were to come to church and hear about Jesus, the, the walls would fall in, the place would, would burn down. You know, I, my life is a wreck, my life is a mess. You know, I, I'm on drugs, I'm addicted to alcohol, I have sexual addictions, I don't feel like I belong there, I wouldn't be welcome there at, at church. And maybe some of you, you came here today that way. Maybe somebody invited you. Maybe you're here as a friend or family member watching someone be baptized to support them. But you know what's been going on in your life, and you don't feel qualified to be here. You don't feel maybe like you're welcome here or that you should be here because of some things going on in your life, some things that you've done that Satan has tried to just defeat you over and make you uh, guilty and ashamed over. Can I tell you on the authority of God's word and on the, and the authority of the family of Orchard Church, you absolutely belong here and we're glad that you're here. Amen? Because we embrace this as a church and we understand this as a church, what Jesus said. Orchard Church is not a country club for Christians. We are a hospital for sinners who all need a Savior. We're all just scum that needs a Savior. Amen, church? That's why we're here. 
That's why we're here. If we didn't need a Savior, then Jesus wouldn't have had to come. And Jesus calls us when we're weary. Jesus calls us when we're burdened. Jesus calls us when we're sinners. That's how he calls us to come. But here's the good news. He doesn't leave us that way. He doesn't leave us that way. He changes us into something new and something different. We may not feel qualified to sing the song, Oh, come all ye faithful, joyful, and triumphant. Jesus calls us when we are weary and we're burdened and we're sinners, but he doesn't leave us like that. I love what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Anyone, everybody say anyone. Look to your neighbor and say anyone. Some of you feel like you're disqualified from a relationship with Christ. Anyone means anyone. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become what, church? A new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. That's exactly what we witnessed a picture of today in baptism. These are all people who said goodbye to the old life and have been resurrected to new life in Christ. That's what baptism is picturing, the new life that we have in Christ Jesus says, here's who I'm calling, the weary, the burdened, the sinners, but I'm not going to leave you that way. I'm going to change you. I'm going to help you become a new person, to become something different. So with the rest of our time, you have this in your notes. What does Jesus help us become this Christmas? What does he help us become? Number one, Jesus helps us become more faithful. He helps us to become more faithful when we're not full of faith or something is challenging our faith. I love what the writer said in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, talking about our faith. He says, how do we become more faithful? We do all this by keeping our eyes on who? Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our what, church? Our faith. Jesus is the initiator of our faith, and he perfects our faith. I know a lot of you, you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've accepted him by faith. The Bible says we're saved by grace through faith. It's not of ourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anybody should boast about it. But we are not only just initiated and saved by faith, but we continue to grow in our faith, and our faith is perfected. He is the initiator and perfecter of our faith, that our faith grows through Jesus. Our faith begins with Jesus, and our faith continues with Jesus. He makes us more faithful. He helps us to become more faithful. And some of you are asking the question, okay, I accepted Christ by faith, but how can Jesus this Christmas help me to be more faithful? I'm glad you asked, because the Bible gives us the answer. If you don't feel full of faith, that's what faithful is, faithful How can Jesus help us become more faithful this Christmas? Listen to what Paul said in Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing the what? Word of God. When we hear the word of God, when we study the word of God, when we meditate on the word of God, when we memorize the word of God, the word of God speaks to us, it encourages us, and it builds and strengthens our faith. Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if you want to be more faithful, if you want to be more full of faith, it starts with the word of God. Now you're off to a good start because you're here today. And every Sunday here at Orchard Church, what do we do? We take out God's word. We open God's word. We study God's word. We learn from God's word. And I I really hope and I do believe that many of you, you leave here differently than when you came. And you walk away saying, my faith was strengthened a little bit. I'm glad I went to church today because we opened God's word and it helped strengthen my faith. If you would agree, say yes. So you're off to a good start. But you can't wait till next Sunday to have your faith built again. 
You need it to happen throughout the week. This is why we're always encouraging you to get into a small group so that you can open God's word and talk about the message from Sunday and how it applied to your life and those in your group. And that will build and that will strengthen your faith. Some of you need to take the step this next year. You need to decide, you know, they keep talking at Orchard Church all the time about discipleship and being discipled. And basically, it's like spiritual mentoring, spiritual coaching, where a man is paired with another man, a lady is paired with another lady, and you learn the Word of God together. You grow through the Word of God together. And guess what happens? It builds your faith. If you're not sure where to get started, but you, you would say, I want to learn the Word of God more. I want to understand it. I want to grow in my faith. Here's the easiest thing to do. In your connection card right now, this morning, give us your contact information and check that box that says Starting Point Class. That's the best place to start. We'll invite you to our next class, which will be in January. In that class, we will unpack all the opportunities to get in small group, get in discipleship, serve, so you can grow in the Word of God and you can grow in your faith. So if you're not feeling faithful, how do you get full of faith? It's by hearing and hearing the Word of God. And I want to... I wanna bring this up again. I talked about this last week, but I want to take it a step further this week. It's, it's not enough just to go to church on Sunday morning and be in a small group and discipleship. You, we need to feed on God's word each and every day. Amen? If we really want to grow in our faith, we need, we need a dose. We need a bite. We need a meal from God's word. And there's a wonderful app, and many of you use apps, and you download them. There's an app called the Version app. We're going to put it on the screen. You can just put that in your app store. It's a free app. It's a download of the Bible in hundreds of different uh, languages and translations. It's completely free. There have been over 300 million people that have downloaded this app. One of the things I love about the Version app is that you can, pick a Bible reading plan. This is a picture of some of the Christmas Bible reading plans that you can do for a week or you can do for two weeks. As we get ready to go into 2018, I want to encourage some of you to take this challenge, to say, you know, this is the year I'm going to read through the Bible. I'm going to read through the entire Bible. And there are Bible reading plans you can download for free at the YouVersion app with their plan and start to read the Bible a little bit every day. And before you know it, you will have read through the entire Bible. I promise you, I promise you, I absolutely guarantee you, if you take that challenge, your faith will grow. Your relationship with Christ will be different. And I want to read an email that I received from a lady in our church that took that challenge several years ago, and she's been doing it every year since. And she wrote me this. She said, on January 1st, 2011, I made the New Year's resolution to read through my Bible in its entirety for the first time in my 23 years of being a Christian. After going through discipleship, I knew I needed more than just Sundays. My spirit felt like it was starving, and I could hardly wait for the next Sunday to come again. I came across the YouVersion app and thought it might be just what I need to stay consistent. It truly began my love affair with God and his word. That year was also the beginning of many trials that tested my faith. At the end of January, I was immediately tested as a parent and put in a situation where some big decisions needed to be made in my life and my kids. Those times of reading my Bible became my times of refreshing and preparing me to take a big step of faith. Hebrews 4.12 says that the word of God is alive and it's active. I never understood what that meant until those moments. God spoke to me through his beautiful pages of scripture that he was with me and I wasn't alone. He encouraged me and gave me the faith to not quit or give up. All of my trials since then have been different. Now I can find joy and keep my peace through them. I realize that I can't have a testimony without a test. That's good, man. Some of you need to write that down. Let me read that again. I realize that I can't have a testimony without a test. That'll preach. I now look to God's word 
for my answers. My faith continues to grow through each trial, and I'm not afraid because I know he is with me. His word says so. Can we praise God for that wonderful testimony of faith? We may not feel faithful, but Jesus helps us become more faithful as we get into his word. God's word builds our faith. Here's the second thing if you're taking notes. What does Jesus help us to become? Not only does he help us to become more faithful, but Jesus helps us become more joyful. He helps us become more joyful. And I, I want to read a passage from Luke chapter 2, verse 10 of the Christmas story. And this was the, the night that Jesus was born. And an angel appeared to the shepherds that were abiding over their flocks by night. And at first they were freaked out. They were scared. I would be too if I was out in the woods on a hill and an angel showed up. And the first thing the angel said is, don't be afraid. A lot of you feel fear this Christmas over different things. And God would say to you, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring, help me out, church, great joy to all people. Not some people, not most people, not a few people, all people. Joy, when we don't feel joyful. The Savior, what is this joy? It's the Savior. It's Jesus, yes, the Messiah. The Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. If you don't feel joyful this Christmas, if something has, has robbed you of your joy, Jesus can give you real joy. Now, I want you to understand that we can't produce this kind of joy the Bible talks about on our own. It's not natural. It's supernatural. It only comes from God. It's not of this, this world. It, it is born out of and overflows out of our personal relationship with Jesus, our, our Savior. Jesus said it this way in John 15, 11. I love this. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that you would be filled with what? My joy. See, we're, we're so often, we're looking for, to find our joy and figure it out ourselves. Jesus says that I want you to be filled with my joy. Now, when we're filled with Jesus' joy, supernatural joy, watch what happens. Yes, your joy will overflow. But the only way that your joy and my joy can overflow is to experience the supernatural joy of our Savior, Jesus. He can make us more joyful. And I think many of you know this to be true, that joy and happiness are worlds apart. What most people in the world is looking for is happiness. And the problem with happiness is this. Happiness depends on happenings, but joy depends on Jesus. And I gave you that in your notes. Happiness depends on happenings. And when things are happening in our life that are good, we're happy. And when they're bad, we're not. Happiness depends on happenings, but joy depends on Jesus. It's something supernatural that he can give to us, that he can do for us. And sometimes there's people, we've seen it throughout this year and throughout the 12 years of the history of Orchard Church, that people have gone through trials and tribulations and difficulties and things that, that would steal most people's joy, but yet they have joy in the midst of it because they have Jesus in the midst of it. And I want to read an email I received just this week that illustrates this point. This lady sent me this and she said, I've attended Orchard Church for about two and a half years on and off, but have never really felt connected. I recently went through a painful period in my life. I lost my mother-in-law, my mother, and got divorced after 28 years of marriage, all in the same calendar year. That's some difficult circumstances. If you're basing your life on happiness, probably not gonna be happy if those things happen. 
She goes on and says, I wanted to get more connected at Orchard, so I went to the starting point class and decided to get baptized. The original baptism date got changed, and I think God changed it just for me. It was changed to May the 7th of this year, which would have been my 28th wedding anniversary. Instead, it was a perfect fresh start to a new beginning in my life. I have since joined a small group. I am part of the greeting ministry serving here at Orchard. I am very grateful for my Orchard Church family and the feeling of honoring my Heavenly Father in so many positive ways. I even took the 90-day tithe challenge, and truly things have changed and turned around in my life. I know that God is always good, and I will enjoy true joy this Christmas. What an amazing testimony. Can we praise the Lord for that? That is the kind of joy that we're talking about. Oh, come, all ye faithful, joyful, and triumphant. We don't always feel faithful, but Jesus can help us to become more faithful. We don't always feel joyful, but Jesus can help us to become more joyful when he gives us his joy. And then number three, if you're taking notes, I bet you can fill in this blank. Jesus helps us to become more triumphant. Triumphant. Jesus helps us become more triumphant. You know, we keep it very real here at Orchard Church, and I think we would all agree that this is a tough world we live in. Would you agree? Say yes. This is a tough world. It's not, things are not getting easier in this world. They're, they're getting more difficult. They're getting more challenging. And, and there are more things that can defeat us and discourage us and keep us from feeling triumphant all the time. And one of the things I've learned in my life, and I bet you've probably learned in your life, is sometimes if we need to be encouraged and feel triumphant and victorious instead of defeated, we need a little help. Would you agree? We, 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 need, we need a little encouragement. We, we need a little bit of help. That's why in sports, when a sports team plays at home, we call it the home field advantage. Why is it called the home field advantage? Because the people are there cheering them on. They have their back, and it helps them to be more triumphant and, and victorious. I grew up, as, as some of you know, in uh, Oklahoma. I grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I lived in the same house for 20 years. And uh, I went to the same elementary school, then middle school, high school. I grew up with kids, you know, from kindergarten. We graduated together. Not a lot of people get to do that today. But um, maybe like me, you, some of you experienced this. I think most neighborhoods and most schools have a bully in them. Okay, if you had a bully in your school or your neighborhood, would you raise your hand? Okay, lift them up, all right. How many of you were the bully? Okay, we're gonna pray for you, all right. You were the, okay. Well, there was a bully in our neighborhood and there was a bully in our school and it wasn't me, but it was a guy with my name. His name was Doug, Doug Clark. I was the good Doug, he was the evil bad Doug. He needed Jesus. And, and to help you understand what Doug Clark was like, how many of you, like my family, there's certain movies at Christmas we have to watch, you know, Christmas Vacation and, and uh, you know, Wonderful Life and different things like that, Home Alone, and then we always got to watch A Christmas Story. You know, you, you'll shoot your eye out, you know what I'm talking about? Remember Scott Farkas? Doug Clark, okay? That's him. They, they, I'm sure they're related. So as I tell this story about Doug Clark, just think Scott Farkas. And this guy was the bully. Well, when I was about 12, I got my first job, a paper route. I had my Huffy 56 bike, my dad put a basket on the front, and I threw a paper route. Okay, I just lost some of the young people in here. Kids, a paper route was when you would take this paper and you would throw it in people's lawn or on their porch, and they would take this thing and they would read it and they'd get the news from it. 
It's, it's, you can see it in the Smithsonian today. It's called a paper. And so I threw a paper out. And Doug Clark lived in my neighborhood, and I knew what street he lived on, so I'd always try to avoid his street. Well, one day, I had to go down his street to throw my papers, and Doug Clark is standing in the middle of the street just like this ready to bully me, just like he did everybody. And I tried to be nice to him. Hey, Doug, what's up, man? High five. He's, and he's giving me a hard time. He's pushing my bike over. He's throwing my papers everywhere. And so I, I left there very discouraged, very defeated. And I would, as soon as I got done with my paper route, I would go over to my best friend's house. So I showed up at my best friend's house, and I came in, and I was defeated, and I was discouraged. And I was telling my friend what, what had happened because he could tell something was going on. And he had an older brother. I, I was like 12. I was in like 6th, 7th grade. He had an older brother who was a senior in high school, and he was a big kid. He overheard me telling this story, and he goes, is Doug Clark messing with you again? He's always messing with people. I'm like, yeah. He said... He asked me, he goes, do you know where he lives? I said, yeah, but I'm not going over there. He goes, I'll take you over there. I don't want to talk to him. Let's go. <laughs> Let's do it. And so we get over to the house, and, and, and the bigger brother is standing at the door. I'm standing behind him like this. You couldn't even see me. He knocks on the door. Doug Clark answers the door, and he says, hey, have you been picking? Now, i got to tell you guys something. Don't tell anybody this because you use it against me. I know you guys know me as Pastor Doug, Doug Dameron, Douglas Dameron, but when I was in elementary and middle school, nobody knew me as Doug. I meet people, you know, that I grew up with, I was Dougie Dameron. They called me Dougie. They named a dance after me later, though, several years later. And so he said, were you messing with Dougie Dameron? He was like, uh, I don't know what you're talking about, man. I pop out. And I go, you, you do know what you're talking about. Come on, man. You ready? You want some of this? I'll take you on right now. What changed? Big Brother was there. He had my back. That's what changed. And when you understand who has your back, that changes everything. Why do I say this, Orchard Church? Maybe you're feeling defeated this Christmas. You're not feeling triumphant. You need to be encouraged and remember who's got our back, and his name is Jesus. He is the one that has our back, and he can help us become more triumphant. And victorious. I love what it says in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. This is part of the Christmas story. We read this at Christmas, but read it and understand who Jesus was and who Jesus is. In Isaiah 9, 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, help me out, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. That's who has our back. And at Christmas time, we need to remember that. When we're feeling discouraged and we're feeling defeated and we're not feeling so triumphant, we need to remember the one who has our back. And maybe this will help you a little bit. Sometimes at Christmas, I like to address what I'm going to call manger misunderstandings. Think about it. Manger misunderstandings. Like, for instance, last week I told you Jesus wasn't born in probably a barn like we think about a barn with wood and all that. He was probably just born in a cave. It was a place for animals to get out of the elements. Jesus, when we say well, he was laid in a manger, we think of this, you know, little wooden manger and straw and all cute and cuddly. It was probably just a rock that was cut out. It was where they would feed animals out of. It was a feeding trough. And I'm really going to mess some of y'all's Christmas up right now. Forgive me now. But the wise men did not show up at the manger the night of Jesus' birth. Some of you are like, oh, what? 
If you read your Bible, it says they showed up when he was at his house when he was a young child. He was probably two, three years of age. So some of y'all, you need to go home. You need to rearrange your nativity scenes. Now, now, let me help you out, though, okay? You can keep the wise men in there, but here's how you do it. If you come to our house and you see our nativity scene, we have our nativity scene, and we've got shepherds there, and we got Mary and Joseph and the baby there, and then we have the wise men, but they're a little bit further away. They're on their way traveling to see Jesus. So they're not there yet. So if you come to my house and say, hey, Pastor Doug, you said they weren't there. They're not there yet. They're on a journey, okay? So you can rearrange your nativity scene. You know, manger misunderstandings like the fact that, well, there were three wise men. We don't know there were three wise men. I mean, there could have been three, there could have been 30, there could have been 300. We just know there were three kinds of gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But why do I bring this up, manger misunderstandings? Because so often we think about Christmas and we sing songs like, away in a manger, the little baby sleeps, you know, in swaddling. You know, we think about that baby in the manger, and sometimes that's as far as we take it at Christmas. You know, sweet little baby Jesus, eight pounds, six ounce baby Jesus. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. And, that, and we never take it any further, and we need to understand that that baby grew up and lived a perfect, sinless life. How would you like to be the parent of Jesus? He never had to be in timeout once. I mean, <laughs> kind of not fair, you know? I mean, he was probably straightening out mom and dad all the time. But he grew up. He lived a perfect, sinless life. And at the age of 33, he was falsely accused. He was arrested. He was spat upon. He was beaten beyond recognition. He was made fun of. They put a crown of thorns on his head, a robe on him. They nailed him to a cross where he shed his blood and he gave his body. He died for our sins to pay for our redemption. They put him in a borrowed tomb because he only needed it for three days. Because on the third day, he rose again, conquering death, hell, and the grave and giving us life. We, listen church, we need to remember who has our back this Christmas. That baby in the manger, Jesus was and is Emmanuel, God with us. We're gonna talk about that next week. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the author of life. He is the initiator and perfecter of our faith. He is the bread of life. He is our creator. He's our redeemer. He's our sustainer. He's our comforter. He's the great I am. He's the King of all kings and Lord. Lord of all lords, and when he has your back, you can be triumphant. Hey, let's give him some praise. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. As we wrap this up, the, the psalmist David understood this in Psalm 18:1, and I hope this will encourage some of you this Christmas. If you're discouraged, if you're defeated, if you're depressed, if you're doubtful, the psalmist said, I love you, Lord. You are my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, and the place of safety. I called on the Lord who is worthy of praise, and he saved me from my enemies. When you and I know who has our back, Jesus, we can be triumphant. O come, all ye faithful joyful and triumphant. Not because we are, not because we always feel that way, but because he is. And he can make us that way. You believe that, church? Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we praise you today that you are King of all kings and Lord of all lords.
We praise you. We thank you that you loved us enough that 2,000 years ago you sent your son Jesus to not just be born in a manger on a starry night in Bethlehem, but to grow to be a man, to die for our sins, to give us life. And Lord, help us when we don't feel so faithful, joyful, and triumphant to look to you, the initiator and perfecter of our faith. So continue an attitude of prayer right now with heads bowed and eyes closed. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, man, I needed this message. I so needed to hear this because I really don't feel so faithful or joyful or triumphant, but I'm going to ask Jesus to help me. I'm going to ask Jesus to help me this Christmas, and I need his help this Christmas. I'm going to look to him. I'm going to trust him. If that's you today, can I pray for you? Would you slip up your hand all across this auditorium? Lift him up nice and high. Keep him up. Lift him up nice and high. I need Jesus to help me become more faithful, joyful, and triumphant this Christmas because of some of the things that are happening in my life. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. You can put them down. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for all those that are going through difficulties, challenges, trials, things they don't understand, things that don't make sense. They're looking for help. They're looking for hope. And I pray that they would look to you. Thank you that you're a God who never leaves us. You never forsake us. And then when we don't feel so faithful, joyful, and triumphant, you can help us to become that way. Through your word, through your spirit, through your people, through our walk and relationship with you. I pray that you would give that gift to everyone this Christmas no matter who they are, where they're from, or what's going on in their life, that they would experience the joy of Jesus. As we continue in attitude of prayer with heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around for just a moment. If you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, it's possible. I'm not God, but it's possible. I've seen it happen before that God may have allowed some things to come in your life this Christmas, this year, that have made you a little weary and burdened to get your attention, to bring you to Jesus. I was talking to a lady earlier today. She said, I accepted Christ three years ago after my husband of many years passed away. And she said, as difficult as that was, God used that to bring me to himself. She said, I had a hole in my heart and a a, a void that I'd had all my life. And maybe that's you today. Maybe it's time to open your heart and your life to Jesus doesn't matter who you are or where you're from or what you've done. Jesus calls the weary, the burdened, and he calls sinners. And that's all of us. Isn't it time you say yes to the Savior? If that's you today, you know who you are. I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. I want to give you an opportunity to invite him into your life as Lord and Savior, to have your sins forgiven, to have a relationship with him, to have a home in heaven, eternal life. The gift of salvation. You know, we're buying gifts. We're getting gifts for everybody at Christmas. But have you received the greatest gift, the gift of everlasting life? And the gift is free. Jesus did all the work to provide it for you when he died on the cross. You say, well, how do I receive this gift? The Bible says whoever, anyone who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And one of the ways we call on the Lord is through prayer. And I'm going to pray a prayer out loud in just a moment. And this is not a magic prayer. These are not magic words that we say to God to get his attention. But a prayer is a way to express the faith and belief in our heart. And if that's you today, you'd say, yes, it's time for me to say yes to Jesus. It's time for me to place my faith and trust in him. Would you pray this prayer with me right now where you sit from your heart to God's right now? And it goes like this. Jesus, come into my life today. I'm saying yes to you. Yes, be my Lord. 
Yes, be my savior. Yes, be my friend. Yes, be my God. Forgive me of my sins. I want to know you. Thank you, Jesus, for the gift of everlasting life. Thank you. As we continue in an attitude of prayer with heads bowed and eyes closed, I don't want to embarrass anybody. I'd never want to do that. But if you just prayed that prayer of faith for the first time, and I believe many of you did, I would love the privilege to pray for you that you would grow in your walk and relationship with Jesus from this day forward. So without hesitation, nobody else looking around, would you just slip up your hand so I can pray for you? By raising your hand, you're saying, yes, I prayed that prayer. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. God bless you, young person over here. One, two, three, four, five, six people on my right. God bless you. One, two, three people here. Amen. God bless you. Several people. Amen. If I didn't see your hand, it's okay. God sees your heart, and that's what matters. Let me pray for you. Father, we just celebrate and we rejoice all, with all those saying yes to you today as Lord and Savior and receiving the gift of salvation. Lord, we thank you for your goodness, your grace, your love, and your mercy. We thank you, God, that when we don't feel faithful, joyful, and triumphant, that you can help us to become those things because of our relationship with you. And we celebrate with all those making that decision for you today. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we welcome some new brothers and sisters in Christ and the family? Come on, you guys can celebrate better than that. Amen. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I wish I could tell you that after you say yes to Jesus, the next steps in following him are as simple as raising your hand in a room like this. But if you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Doug, you just made the most life-altering decision of your life in a great way because Jesus changes everything. And because of that, we created this booklet, this I Said Yes booklet. If you just said yes to following Jesus, we want to get this to you in the mail. If you would take a moment right now and fill out the connection card that was in your newsletter. We just need your name and your address so that we can mail this to you. It'll also allow us to pray for you by name as you start this journey. We want to come alongside of you and help you in any way that we can. Also, if you just made that decision to follow Jesus, or maybe you made that decision a while ago, but you've never been baptized, and earlier in the service, as you're watching the joyful people that come out of the water, and you're thinking, man, I want that in my life, what, what is missing? Maybe God in that moment was saying, this is what you need to do to follow me, and I just want to let you know, good news, we still have three services left. The last one is in Spanish. You don't have to speak Spanish to get baptized in Spanish. You can get baptized in English during the Spanish service. We have three services left, and we would love to celebrate with you the decision that you have made to follow Jesus. And so as soon as we're done with this service in just a few moments, after we sing and after we take some time to worship in our giving, go out to the lobby. We have a baptism booth right next to that giant Christmas tree. You can't miss it. We would love to sign you up. Just wait half hour more to get baptized in our next service that starts at 11.30. We would love that opportunity. In fact, we've got clothes waiting for you. They're dry. We've got towels that are dry. We've got places for you to change. We're going to take care of every excuse that you have today to not get baptized. We would love to do that with you. If this is your first time with us, thanks so much for giving us an hour of your week. It is an incredible honor for us to host you. We just want to make sure that we've done our best in answering any questions that you have or, or help you along, get plugged in here. So if you haven't done so already, you can fill out that connection card in just a moment when the ushers come forward to receive an offering. Drop it in that bucket right as it goes past. We don't expect you to give today. We don't want your money. We just want a chance to get to know you and to follow up with you. So please take some time to fill that connection card out if you haven't done so already. And we're going to close our service now by singing. We're going to respond in the song that we've been talking about. But it's also a chance for us who call Orchard home to give faithfully. 
to give joyfully and even give triumphantly as we give first, save second, live on the rest. Let's stand together and worship in our giving and worship in our singing.